0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim
1: <laughs> and Alan Shipnuck. Not, I got momentarily distracted. Uh, great start. Okay, we're back <laughs> at it yet again. <clears throat> I'm struggling here, but let's let's keep rolling because this is this is real. It's gritty. It's real life. Um, Christina, you're back in the U.S. of A., which is appropriate because the Curtis Cup. Just ended. The Solheim Cup is on the horizon, um, so why don't we start there? Uh, you know, I'm I'm quite sad actually. I was gonna cover the Solheim Cup, and I I was really looking forward to it because I love that event. And I pulled the plug. I am I'm working mm-hmm. on this uh, Phil Mickelson biography for Simon Schuster, and to give up a week, I'm under like intense deadline pressure, and I just like. I, I've I've pretty much wiped my calendar for everything, and I think between now and the end of the year, the only trip I'm going to probably take is the Ryder Cup, and uh, I just I've just pulling back on everything. So I'm really sad to miss it, but you've been lucky to play in a few and um, cough cough undefeated in singles, and you've had some some great moments. So. Um, We'll, we'll tip our cap to the girls at the, the Curtis Cup. I mean, call them girls because they're actually, you know, girls. They're children. <laughs> they're children. They're children. But the women of the Solheim Cup, of which you were one, what, tell me Tell me your favorite memory from that great event.
0: Oh, God, I don't think I can just pick one. Side note real quick, uh, this will, I don't know if this is going to anger people or if they're, it's going to give them a little bit more insight of when I sit there and say, I legitimately did not know much about golf when I was playing it as a young girl in 2001, 2000. Yeah. I think it was, no, it was, um, no, it was yeah, it was in two thousand and one. I was in Santa Clara over at Santa Clara Golf and Tennis, R. I. P. And I get a phone call on I think I had a Blackberry back then. It might have <laughs> even been like a Motorola razor or something like that. Or it might have been like a so- Palm Pilot.
1: It's like the size of a shoebox, like in those two old Tupac videos.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I never had a T-Mobile sidekick. That was always the dream that never got it. Um, <laughs> a, anyway, I get this phone call from a, as I, it turns out it was a, a New Jersey phone number and it was the USGA and they said, Hey, Christina Kim, um, you know, congratulations. We just want to let you know that you've been selected to play on the Curtis cup team to represent the United States. And I was like, Oh my God. Well, I, well, what is that? And secondly, when is it? And they and, said and it's who's going to be in the summer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, it's going to be um or maybe it was in the it was actually in it was in 2002 if I'm not mistaken, in early in the year. And they were like, well, we're going to be playing, I'm not going to lie, I can't even remember where it was. And they were <laughs> like it's going to be in the summertime. And I was like, "Oh, dang." I don't think I can play cause I'm turning pro in March, but thanks. Bye. And like, just hung up, like legitimately had no idea about the magnitude <laughs> of that moment. And it didn't occur to me for years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of some golfer's life, Christina, but no worries. It just yeah. Going.
0: Yeah. I did not realize. Um, and, um, so I've been a huge, huge fan ever since. And I know, uh, a couple of the girls on the winning U.S. team. Woot Woot, congratulations, ladies. Thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that cup back across the pond, no less. Um, so huge shout out to Rachel Heck and Rose Zung and uh, Gina Kim and all of the other girls. You guys are absolute rock stars, annihilated the uh, singles matches it was awesome because it was one and a half to four and a half in the first day and then the second day uh, to Europe four and a half to one and a half and then the US brought it back four and a half points on um, on Friday and then they I think it was like was it like six and a half to like one and a half or something in the single? So the U.S. did a, an amazing job playing um, over at uh, is it Conwy, Conwy in Wales. Um, so huge shout out to all those girls. But going I mean, we, back to oh
1: well, well the Welsh oh, accents you can say, you can say whatever because it's impossible to understand what they're saying. So just go with it. Like.
0: They have they have so many letters that they don't pronounce in, in in their language. It's, it's so beautiful. <laughs>
1: The spelling is so challenging. Um, It's so
0: beautiful. Well, yeah, but as an American, like we're probably going to sit here and have arguments with people over the words like honor and flavor and color because they use a U in the Commonwealth. And it's like, who are we to say that we're doing it correctly because we're speaking American or not even speaking English. Like, you know, when people go over to the UK and they say, I can't understand these English people. Why don't they speak English? It's like, we're the ones with the accent, just so you know. Um, yeah,
1: but in in the interest of brevity, I'm all for dropping unnecessary letters. It's just clutter, you know, for, for someone who's yeah, always trying to squeeze in headlines sp- and.
0: Well, that's that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, you lived your life typing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I don't. So you you letters.
0: have you you have a different viewpoint. Um, <laughs> but to go back to the yes. Solheim Cup, yes, I am three and zero in singles. I, I just, again, I had no idea what i was getting into and the fact of having my three captains um first and foremost was nancy lopez followed by rosie jones um god was it i'm sc- i'm sorry excuse me uh, beth daniel and then rosie jones like it was just just amazing um
1: i would not want to lose have- a match if rosie jones was my captain i'd be like so afraid to let her down <laughs> She she scared me as a reporter, so...
0: She was a bulldog. And, you know, obviously okay. having being, you know, going to Georgia, you know, I mean, she she embodied the uh, the okay. university mascot. I, I actually do have a, it's not my favorite memory, but I, I do have a fun memory. I really can't remember if I uh, spoke about it in this uh, podcast before. Um, I remember when the points were being tabulated and the team was being announced on the Sunday evening of the, um, I believe back then it was still the Safeway Classic held in Portland, Oregon. Now that can be a Portland Classic, woot woot. Shout out to the PNW. and I missed the cut. We were at Pumpkin Ridge and I was super distraught and I was like right on the bubble and I'm just like Christ alive. Like um, I remember when I, I didn't get selected in 2007 when Betsy King was a captain. I had a talk with Meg Mallon, who's one of her assistants, and she was like, kiddo, you're going to be just like me. You're never going to get, get picked for any team. You you just have to play your way on, and that's the only way that you're ever going to make a team.
1: Just why? Because I, because you're you're an extrovert. Like why was she saying that?
0: She her entire career, every team that she was ever on, she was also she also always played on played her way onto the team. And truth be told, I love that cons. I love that mindset. Anyway, there's a tiny part of me that's like, man, picks are bullshit. You know, to to a small extent, just because I've I've never been picked and selected. Um, But why do you think think she said that, though? I I think it was, one, it was to help uh, soften the blow because, like, it was, I I just, it happened in Portland as well um, in 2007. And I finished Runner Up. And like made it, I ended up 11th in points. And back then they didn't use a Rolex ranking. So it was just a top 10 made it on points. And I mean, I fucking killed it in Portland as well. Finished runner up to Lorena, if I'm not mistaken, and signed autographs for like 45 minutes or something. And, you know, they were like, Oh, you think you're going to make the team? I'm like, Dude, I don't know. Like, I, I make it or I don't. Like, I, I gave it my all. I gave everything that I had, and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. And then, like, deep down, I was like, Girl, come on. Let's be real. And then <laughs> I, I walked the stairs up to the locker room over at Columbia Edgewater Country Club, and Betsy King was at the top of the stairs, and she put her arm around me and was like, "I am so proud of you. You played so great this week. Um, this that you know, like all you know, she was praising me, and I'm just like, I'm oh. like so awesome and she said i'm not taking you like not it wasn't that blunt but she was like i just want to let you know i'm you're not coming with us to sweden no shit because i i had played with betsy in my rookie year on tour um i was like oh i didn't know we had that kind of rapport but like she's cracking a joke betsy makes jokes i started laughing and she was you know classic betsy king of just dead serious yeah and i went from laughing i think i stopped mid-laugh and immediately started bawling like right <laughs> oh it, like in it's her like, face like that is like I
1: cinematic think, like i could see like jim yeah. carrey doing that
0: it was it, it was it was the most there was it wasn't like a it, it's not like that like my laughter faltered and you know it slowly dawned on me it was like a just immediate <laughs> reaction and uh <laughs> meg and beth were her assistants and they were like we tried we tried as hard as we could like beth was there she was like shaking all these papers she was like i have all of your statistics you make more birdies than you know than like two-thirds of the entire um american team you know back then i was still hitting it pretty far you hit it farther than a lot of the girls you hit more greens and regs you make a lot of putts when they matter you're playing great and i'm like i i hope I hope you know I know you're trying to help. This makes me feel more shitty though. <laughs> not because not not you're you're trying so hard you could tell me that I'm the most beautiful girl in the world and I'm going to have nothing but happiness in the rest of my life. And that'll still make me feel worse. You know, like it was just one, nothing, nothing. I was inconsolable. Um, And that was when Meg told me that. And she would just like, listen, like you just have to, you know, for me, I always took it as like, you know what? Yeah. Don't ever rely on anyone for anything. like, make your make your um you know it was was sort of like an epiphany of you know create your own story don't rely on anyone else to help make something happen
1: and what did i I do i I get that but to me it's kind of i would have been slightly insulted like i mean it's a good message no
0: meg meg the last Uh, thing meg could ever do is insult anyone And she, I mean, she was, she and Beth were like my mothers on tour. So I never took any offense to, to, to anything that they ever said. Like I, I would always, I would always listen and take to heart what they said. So it was always like, Oh, you know what? Yeah, they're right. Like, yeah, I make more birdies than anyone, you know, than a lot of those girls. And I do do this. I do do that. This was, this is great. I'm going to create my own, I'm going to create my own story and I'm going to, you know, use, use the golf course as my tapestry. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of, uh, like violent sort of slashes like with
1: the, Jack, the paintbrush brush and
0: throwing yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and it may look a little bit like a Rorschach test for a little bit, but no, this is, that, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And no, no, I mean so, I, I salute um,
1: your attitude. I'm just I'm, I'm on your behalf. I'm slightly defensive about that comment because think about some of the people who have gotten picked. Like you have more game, and you're more fun, and you're you have more team spirit. Like, come on. I, I didn't I'm fit up. in
0: with the team that that Betsy envisioned, and it took me a long time to realize that. And at the end yeah. of the day, the U.S. brought the cup back, so that's the only thing that should matter. Um, okay. So although it was like, yeah, I w- I finished 11th in points and I got skipped, so I, there's always going to be a part of me that's like, man. And and it actually took me about ten years. I actually had a conversation with Betsy um a few years back and I said, Betsy, I just wanna say I get it for why you didn't pick me. Ultimately because it just I didn't fit with what she wanted. And that's totally her it's her. But what did she want? You know? What whatever whatever did not include me. That's okay. <laughs> okay That's fine. okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Wait, matter because well, it's not right, my moved team on. to You I guess I need to move on. Yeah. It's my turn to move on. You definitely but, need to move on. But I, I told her, I'm I said, kind of and I also want to say, I'm, I'm sorry that I cried, like not in your face. I'm sorry I cried like on your face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's a great like, image. Yeah. I did a story um, about the phone call. This one it was a Ryder Cup preview piece and it was about the captains when they have to call the guys, you know, and, and tell them they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, like Tom Watson. He was um, totally blunt, he like, hey, it's Tom, you're out. <laughs> and some guys would, you know, I can't. This this is like probably God at least a decade ago. I, I should have gone back and read it, but you know, some of the captains would do this long preamble, and it's sort of like you're saying, they'd pump the players up so much they would assume they're getting picked when in fact they were trying to soften the blow and had the opposite mm-hmm. effect. And it's got to be, you know, from the captain's perspective, it's awkward. You know, your 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 friends, oh, your competitors, yeah. a lot of them are still semi activist players, and yet you're you're basically repudiating that that person's as a golfer and possibly as a human, like it's, it's, it's rough, man. I got, uh, it's it's gotta be one. Yeah.
0: Trust me. I know. I, I, I forget who the captain was, but I I remember, uh, it was, I was on tour already and it was, um, I think Dorothy Dellison was like, you know, on the cusp of being on a team and she got a phone call and they were like, I just want to let you know that, you know, you're not going to be coming with us to, wherever they were playing. And she was just like, why'd you call me and tell me that? (laughs) I would have preferred no phone call. Wow. You know, like not, not verbatim, not verbatim, verbatim. but no, it's just like, well, if I'm in, like I'll know I'm in. And if I don't get the call, I could, I could probably do the math myself. (laughs) Like, you know, like it was just one of those things where it's like, dude, that's like a waste of breath for you. And where, where was it where the team was selected in, in Canada, um, it might have been Julie's team, actually, Julie's first team. I, I think it was Julie. She called me and, and was like, hey, Tina, you know, I just want to let you know. Um, you know." She, and it was a great phone call. She was like, I just, you know, you've always been so great for the team. And, you know, she's been on every team that I was ever on. She's like, you're so amazing. You're such an amazing teammate. But I just I just want to let you know, like, you're not you're not going to make it on. And I, I told her, I was like, Julie, like, you know, if, if you're going to captain again or if you talk to the next couple captains, like, just let them know they don't need to call me. Like, I feel bad for you like i feel shitty like there's no doubt about that but i've learned to deal with rejection uh, depending on the person like i sometimes feel more bad for the rejecter than the rejectee you know i'm like <laughs> yeah it's very you, like you must have yeah i'm like dude like are you i was like are you okay and she was just like this has been so hard i'm like i cannot imagine I can't even say I can only imagine. I truly cannot imagine. Like, I'm so sorry that you spent a second of your life thinking I'm going to have to call Tina and tell her that she's not coming. Like, no shit, I'm not going. <laughs> was kind of what I told her. I was like, so I'm like, I'm so sorry that you you had to you had to to make this call. Like, I I, I, I tried funny. my best, but I I never expect to be picked. So you know that um that I'm dorothy i'm sorry Dawson's, and i think she,
1: yeah that's funny that your story about dorothy that reminds me of something that just happened at at this year's us women's open at, at olympic um i was you know rosie jones looked actually like my not rosie jones why did i say that um cuz we're talking about rosie Pat Hurst. jones no, no not Pat no. Hurst. oh my god well, i'm just
0: could, i'm just trying to go <laughs> captains reed. no
1: mel reed cuz mel reed sort of reminds me of rosie jones and vice versa like kind of that the intensity they have and
0: I can see that j- just the
1: way yeah. they move on the um on the on the golf course for some reason I don't know something about those two and so it looked like Mel looked like she might win that tournament for you know a lot of it mm-hmm. and then she faded away but on Sunday I'm kind of scrambling and I always like to talk to um you know as as Sunday is progressing and the potential winners narrows down you know at this point you had only had a couple or three and I like to talk to people as they're finishing and, and and get some thoughts on the players in contention. It's just you never know what kind of anecdotes you're going to get or good material or good quotes or whatever. And so I, I went up to, um, to Mel. I was like, uh, hey, it looks like, and at this point, Lexi was leading by like two strokes, I think. And I said, it looks like mm. I'm going to be writing about Lexi. Can, can I ask you a couple of questions? She's like, why? I said, well, you know, i got to write a story, <laughs> and I'm looking for any funny, you know, any funny tales or any insight into her. And she's like, I just don't understand why you'd ask me about another player. I said, well, this is kind of what reporters do. You know, we're we're in the information gathering business. And, uh, you know, I I know Lexi, but you know her better and uh, you compete against her. You're inside the rope. So I'm just looking for a few things. She's like, well... Why would you ask me about another player? (laughs) We kept going in circles. I was like, "You don't have to answer the question. It's not a big deal." You know, and she's like, "Fine." And then she actually gave me like two really good things, and then like kind of stormed off. I was like, "That was so awkward." I guess she was, you know, she was grumpy because she didn't play well, but it was just the total could not comprehend why I'd want to ask her about another player. And that's that's where you get all your best material. I mean, you guys are out there, and you you know what's up. So anyway, they just the Dorothy Delson comment. Yeah. Anyway, whatever
0: I can kind of see i mean i i I can empathize with with uh with Mel there in the sense of like why did you ask if I your girlfriend think that girl is pretty
1: you know <laughs> no, like, that's very per- that, that's that's not a good comparison because <laughs> that's very personal in that scenario I'm sort of making my yeah, as th- golf, theoretical girlfriend as uncomfortable a
0: golfer. Yeah, as as a golfer, like you but know, we're we not, are focused on like, ourselves. Like, like
1: Mel, you know, Lexi hits it so much farther than you, and uh, she's much more athletic through the ball. Like what, you know, I didn't like. There was no put down implied. I was just looking for material.
0: Well, yeah, but theoretically, neither is saying, "Hey, do you think she's pretty." like it it's an innocuous innocent comment and it's just like depends on you know how it's received you know it's yeah, it's it
1: wasn't it wasn't well received by by Mel Reed but we digress um
0: you got a great you got a you got you like you said you got a couple of great tidbits from her so that's yeah that's so funny Steam,
1: so fair yeah. but um anyway it was that's that made me laugh it still makes me laugh um I mean, have you ever listened to another press conference? A lot of the questions tend to be about other players and what's happening in the game. Like, that's just the way it goes. But again, let's move yeah, on. Ah, she was angry. It's all good. Yeah, Yeah,
0: Alan, you got to learn how to let shit go, girl. Like, it's done. <laughs>
1: well, you could argue it's that Mel done. needs to let, let it go. I mean, it's not my fault she shot 78. Like, she on. probably anyway. doesn't
0: even remember having this conversation not. with you, of just so you not. know.
1: <laughs> I, I know that. I totally know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where were we? We were talking about the Solheim Cup like 15 minutes mm-hmm. ago. So um, anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm sad not to be going. And I always feel like the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup to a lesser degree, but also but when it's in the heartland, you know, when it's in the middle of America. It just feels a little different. And to be, you know, in, you know, whatever, Toledo, Ohio, like it's going to be a big deal. And as we're, you know, we'll see how big the crowds are and all that. I, I suspect they're going to be big. And that, mm-hmm. That's a somewhat new phenomenon for sports fans here over the last couple of years. I think it, the atmosphere is going to be tremendous. You know, when, when when they when they have the Ryder Cups in these big markets and fans are a little jaded because they they have so many pro sports options, but you take it to a place like Toledo, it's a big deal, and so I, I think it's going to be phenomenal, and um, I, I can't wait to watch it. Do you have any thoughts on no doubt. On, on how the teams are shaking out and? kind of or have shaken out and kind of previewing that week a little bit?
0: Well, um, so last year when we had the restart to our season, we did kick off our season at Inverness, which is the host of the 2021 Solheim cup. And I mean, it is you know it hosted the, the it, it's hosted majors. It's hosted, uh, you know, the U.S. Boys Junior a couple of years ago. The the Senior U.S. Open was there recently. So you combine a major golf course, uh, that has gone through some renovations. Like I, it was interesting because last year when I was playing, I remember like stand you could stand on pretty much any hole and you can see five six seven holes so you know aside from the places where they're going to have like a tented village and grandstands and things like that like you're going to be able to have a great look to see what the uh the pulse of the um matches are going to be like because you're going to be you're going to be able to spectate a lot as a player um especially on a couple of the holes that are a little bit higher up like you'll be able to see what's going on um and uh thankfully you know i mean the LPJ has been coming to toledo for damn near 40 years and so we have it's a wonderful golf town, and there's some amazing golf over in, um, you know, just, just in, like, the Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Like, it is such bullshit that you have some of the world's best golf courses, in my opinion, located in a place, that, a region, excuse me, that has a five-month-long golf season. Like, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. That, that being said, me, One of the reasons I, why, why the greens are so great on a lot of those courses, like in Oakland Hills and places like that is— they can't. They have to have a lot of slope and movement to drain the water in the winter. When you know the melt, when the snow is melting, they have to have undulation and slope and pitch and get the water off the course. And so some of the some of the landforms, some of the green complexes are extreme, and which is cool. I mean, that, that lends itself to like really fun, interesting golf. So I don't. I don't know. If, yeah, um, you can get that anywhere, but
0: I. <sighs> I I know from speaking to a couple of people because I mean truth be told I I have I don't I don't know if I can say I have the same number of friends on the U.S. team as I do on the European team um, I might I'm like and I mean I'm friendly with everyone obviously and I'm a huge fan of everyone's games but I have. I might be more, I might be friends with like friends, friends with more of the Europeans than the Americans, to be quite honest. Um, I but I, 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 having spoken with a couple of people that are more, you know, like sort of like, you know, like, like second, third layer, like in the region, but not like, you know, any of the core people, because I'm like, I, 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 I know what it's like when people are like, so how do you think you're going to do? Or, you know, so how do you, do you think you're going to make the team? Like, I, I don't want to. Bombard other players with that because I know how much that, you know, just kind of, it's just like you know, you sit there and it's like Laura Davies taught me a great phrase which is Swedish, "Yabla fluga," which means just sh- go away, fly. Like you know, it's just like I don't need this incessant <laughs> crap. Um, and she learned that from Helen Alfredson. And
1: I the, love Helen um, Alfredson.
0: Oh, Helen's the best.
1: The Helen best. is
0: incredible. Still one of the greatest ball strikers you'll ever see,
1: ever. See, and like when, just. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah. When I, when I first started covering, you know, LPJ in the mid mid nineties, I mean, that was peak Helen Alfredson and mm. great player and so witty and funny and stylish. I kind of a little crush on her to be honest. And she was just who doesn't? right. Exactly. She was so fun to watch. Keep going.
0: Yeah. I mean, and she was like a runway model at 16 as well. Like, you know, obviously looking at her proportions, you're like, yeah, I can see that. Um, uh, but yeah, she's just gorgeous. Um, Anyway, you know, just talking to some of the like tertiary people and it's like, you know, I know for a fact that there are a couple of those girls on the European team because, you know, with Katrina Matthew being the, uh, the captain again, she, she was, she, she is no bullshit. She's basically said to a couple of those girls, like, pull your finger out if you want to be considered for a pick. And trust me do your best to try and make the team because the last thing you really want to do is rely on a pick and it's just like one you're like god damn woman like half your team are picks like I mean well done because you know she she did say that to a couple of people and she and she did end up seeing some of the girls playing really well coming down towards the end but I was just like god damn like that's some intense shit. Um, but I, I, I would say, you know, it's like you've, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of length on both teams. Um, you've got a lot of fire and passion. Allie McDonald might be my, I can't see, you can't even call her a dark horse. Like she's just one of my favorites. Um, just as, as a player. So so
1: yeah, oh so anyway, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the Soulheim Cup. I can't wait to watch it. It's gonna be a great show. But um let let's talk a little bit a bit about your re entry to uh the American way of life, whatever that means, <laughs> and how you've spent this off week uh recharging and working on your game and what what's you know, look ahead a little bit.
0: Yeah, I um got home on Tuesday. So on Monday, I, uh, since we were officially out of the bubble, Todd and I, let's see, we went to a trout fishery and we did a little bit of fly fishing as soon as we left the bubble after doing our um, COVID test to get back into the States. And then on Monday, we were, so we were over, um, you know, in the, the greater Fife region um, over near Dundee into the Carnoustie area. And we went over to Ayr, which is over by Troon on the other side of Glasgow, mm-hmm. over by Presswick. And we, we met uh, this wonderful, wonderful gentleman by the name of Davy McPhail because Todd's probably greatest passion is fly fishing. And Davy McPhail is like the, oh, God, I mean, he's like the Julia Childs of fly tying (laughs) Todd follows him on YouTube and they had like corresponded a little bit over the years and so we went to Davy McPhail's house and we just like ended up like chatting with him for a good long while um Everyone in the UK, by the way, calls the, uh, any any sort of, whether it's a vaccination or a shot or anything like that, they call them jabs, which doesn't necessarily give it the most positive sort of connotation. But he's like, you know, yeah. he's like, yeah, everyone in my family has had their two jabs. And, and the whole family ended up having caught COVID as well earlier in the year, which kind of stinks. But I think it was prior to the Delta variant really sort of blowing up and everything. Um, so we basically, we sat and, and watched him from a distance tie a fly specifically for Todd and we were, um, uh, it was fascinating for me because this is a world I've never delved into. And hmm. um, I had caught a rainbow trout. It was beautiful. I, I did put a little blurb of it up on my on my Instagram. And so just watching him, like all of the different feathers that they use and all the different materials and just watching him doing like his his artistry was so amazing. And he was pretty much just – he was pretty much doing a YouTube tutorial live without the camera while he was tying Todd's fly. And I was like – It's like it was like the like a five year old child meeting like a beautiful like Disney princess for the first time. I was just like wide eyed and just watched everything he did, and um, he was sort of like. Uh, at the end, he was just like, you know, yeah, you know, this, that, whatever, whatever. And I was like, okay, so let me get this straight. We used, uh, we used brown mallard. We used some pheasant. We used, um, you know, some, some uh, uh, blue heron and we used this and that. And then that's pigs, that's pig hair. And then you use like proper wool and this night. He's like, he's like, you listened. And I was like, I think I got a little bit of approval from Davy McPhail, uh, which was really, really it's a, cool. It's a
1: cult. Like those serious fly fishermen, I'm, they're in deep. They, make, they the, make oh yeah, they make golfers look, you know, mellow about their gear comparatively. Oh, we're the
0: hoi polloi in comparison. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, and so I told Todd, I was like, that was like, it was because it really was very special to be able to go and meet, um, you know, one of the, you know, a world-renowned fly tire or fly dresser as, as they're called. And, and so I, I was a little mad at Todd though, because like I had so much fun when we went fly fishing and I was like, why couldn't you introduce me to a less expensive hobby? Right. Because, yeah. you know, your girl is going to end up getting her some waiters, and then I'll just be talking about my nine and a half foot probably is going to be a six weight, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm going to go into spay casting and all of this stuff. Like, so it's it, it was really, really cool. But um, I digress. I, I ended up making it home on Tuesday and I did a serious, like, hardcore 48 hour hibernation. And it was... um um, dark, dark, dark room, curtains shut. I had no concept of what time it was at any point in the day. That's how dark I can get my room. I had um, water, pili nuts, and you know, I had like I, I like maybe had like one meal a day. Other than that, and was just recharging, recharging, rejuvenating, and um, then eventually did make it out into society and. I actually, I, I ended up calling Todd um, uh, later in the week and I was like, dude, like, so how was it driving for you? Because we had spent, you know, four weeks straight driving on the other side of the road. And he was like, I thought it would be harder than it was to, to revert back, but I'm, I'm doing great. Like, didn't drive into any oncoming traffic and, you know, turn correctly and this and that. And I was like, I've had this theory because it's so much easier to bounce back for me and i've even spoken to a couple of my friends that live you know in various commonwealth countries it's easier to convert if you drive on the other side of the road it's easier to convert to our side of the road than it is for us to convert to their side of the road and i'm like i feel like humans were like i'm not saying one way is correct or anything it's just easier seemingly to drive on 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 our side of the road not to mention i mean our lanes are like you know probably 20 25 percent wider than theirs are anyway
1: oh yeah no, a um, two-lane road in Scotland is is barely enough for one car. Like, let's be real. It's it is totally oh, yeah. different.
0: Yeah, and it says the speed limit sixty. And I'm like, okay, let's cut that number in half. I hardly feel comfortable driving that number in kilometers, let alone in miles. And I have oh. a lead foot on the road. I am a very um I'm a very good driver, but I I, I am somewhat I'm a bit more of an aggressive driver than a defensive driver for sure. But I am i mean, I'm like, I, I mean, it's like playing Frogger. Like I see what's happening. I can tell like <laughs> when there's going to be, I can see like a near collision, like four or five seconds before it happens. And so I'll like hop over a lane and just kind of, you know, stay away from them. But I'm just like, Ooh, that girl's not paying attention. And Ooh, I just saw that guy. He pulled his phone out and they're like two cars ahead of me. And I'm like, "Mm -mm 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 -mm." um, but that aside, you know, I just sort of started getting back into, uh, practice and playing. Oh, full disclosure, arm lock, be gone.
1: Oh, wow. I'm back
0: to a normal style of putting and my heart feels my heart feels so
1: free i i feel better about that for you because as as the purist that you are there there had to be some cognitive dissonance there even if the putts are going in it's kind of like you're not cheating it's within the rules but it just doesn't it just didn't feel right for you of all people so I, i i feel unburdened that you've given up the arm lock
0: as do I. And it quite literally did not feel right. I, I felt like, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a feel player. I like having, you know, sort of like a little bit of pizzazz in what it is that I do. And with the arm lock, like, it, it's... it's, it, I don't like feeling locked in. Like, there there's no flow to it. Um, there's so much rigidity. There's so much... It's not even mechanics; it's mechanical, and I hate that. I hate that. I mean, just the Um, name
1: alone—you're like your your arm is a prisoner. Like it's it's like in jail. Like I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, I'm like, hey, sometimes my stroke's going to be a little short, so maybe I have to pop my my wrist and release a little bit more on occasion if my body subconsciously knows that. Um, So I've gone back to a 33-inch putter. I'm so happy. I will say, though, full disclosure, because the, the, the reason why I got the arm lock putter to begin with was it wasn't necessarily that I was going to actually put it in play. I was realistically going to just get a um, supremely expensive training aid was probably the best way to put it but I started rolling the ball really well. And, and at the end of the day, it did its job in uh, my path is so much better. I was able to figure out a lot of things mechanically. Like I'm like, I feel really good. I feel really square. I feel locked and loaded, like in, in okay. a way that like I feel square while being able to, um, you know, still feel and still be, you know, a bit artistic with stuff. It, it, it so it, it helped me in that sense. And no, what do you mean? No, don't say that I just started using it. Um, immediately after Xander Shoffley used it, and I did not put it away immediately after Xander did. <laughs> I think it was about the same period of time from when he started and when he stopped to when I started and stopped. yeah um,
1: yeah no I, I get it. it i mean i'm'm I'm, it's partially tongue in cheek I mean the rules allow it if it helps you make putts, whatever We all know that putting is this dark art and whatever works works, but just uh, I, I'm happy I'm happy for you that you've, you've
0: I'm not gone. an Android.
1: No. That's the no, only way
0: to put it. I'm not yeah. an android. And that's right. And and truth be told, there's there was no position that I could get in where I felt comfortable. And not to mention, no. the the entire time in the deep in the recesses of my brain, I'm like how close am I to the crease in my elbow? Where the fuck? What if? Like, I lost a shit ton of weight. I I look like a sharpay. Like, wh- which crease am I supposed to look at in my elbow that I have to keep the end of the grip away from? You know, like it was, and I, I never There's got close. Stuff. But it was, it was just just imagine just, if you got hot. Happening.
1: Like, let's just say you you got hot at Carnoustie and you had a putt on the last hole to win the women's open, and, and they're going to play this clip for the rest of your life and longer. And there you are arm locking. It's like Adam Scott at the 2013 Masters with his broom handle. You know, okay, yeah, he made the putt. He won the Masters. Good for him. But it, it still looks bad. Like, you got to think some God, part of so your brain. you're so judgy. <laughs> some part of your brain would have made you miss that putt just so you wouldn't have to watch it for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, no. No chance. Okay. I tried. No chance. You're so judgy. Oh, my God. <laughs> just say, but at the end of the day, I'm away from it
1: yeah okay good that's we've got to where we needed to go so that's good Um, yes
0: yes and i will mm. never have to say that i look anything like bryson ever again
1: no by way as as we're taping this bryson is doing bryson things um in the in the fedex cup playoffs only Bryson can shoot sixty, and it still feels like he he laid a turd because of that that putt on the last hole. Like it's just like, come on!
0: I, you're being That's, very generous in calling that last thing a putt. <laughs> I mean,
1: did he, I could. He tell was from digging a grave did, did, with us. Did leave stroke. the head cover on. Like, no, it was.
0: It was it, it, I don't understand how it's possible, but it, the only way I can describe it is that it was a chicken wing in that the heel, like came so far out because it wasn't a pull but it was like just like nah, nah. it was just a a, a pull shovel I, I think the ball might have made an impression on the ground because it was like it, it was not a good stroke and and then you know afterwards like you know one of the few because I was actually kind of laughing because I, I saw he was doing a post-round interview and I was like <laughs> So we're talking to some of the media, okay. And well, then okay, I guess he did an exclusive something with whatever, and he was well, like, yeah, I thought the putt broke three inches and it only broke one. I'm like, bitch, where, where in the world from below the hole are you going to find a six-foot, ten-inch putt that breaks three inches? Like, wait, are you high? Straight
1: up the fall line. I mean, come on.
0: Not the- to, yeah, exactly. Not to mention that he had the opportunity because his ball spun back like 40 feet. He saw what the putt
1: did. Like, I know. I don't. So let's talk about Bryson's media boycott because he's, you know, he did that interview. He's like, it's so ridiculous. He's just only talking to the tours, you know, broadcast partners, which we all know because they're not really independent journalists are are not going to press him on any of his weirdness or misbehavior or uh, anything. And it's it's just so gross. Like, yeah, he's avoiding the only people who might actually ask him a tough question which are the print reporters and it's like they're I'm not baby, tough questions man. i know they're I mean, not tough questions try being on the yankees and striking out with the bases <laughs> loaded the bottom of in ninth <laughs> inning those are tough questions the golf press is so benign as it is and those aren't tough know. questions either <laughs> I, I know
0: imagine being imagine being the president of the united states at the end of august in the year 2021 yeah, those, those are tough questions, are tough questions. Yes. like I let's know. be real get out of yeah, your own exactly. way bud
1: the whole thing is so ridiculous i'm so embarrassed for him because i've spent most of bryson's career defending him because you know, i did a huge story on him back when he was an amateur in 15. i went to his hometown and the golf course where he grew up and spent a lot of time around him and his people and i've always kind of liked bryson and i've respected He's been on this very unusual journey, and he's trying to do things his way and I think that's great I mean we, we need mavericks and we need uh, creative thinkers and all of that and but it's just beyond the pale e- even me there's no way I can defend his nonsense anymore it's just it's such' a, it's such a clown show, and yeah he's more set- iceman than Maverick to be fair. And the really sad thing is, the guy's a hell of a golfer. I mean, he NCAA championship, US Amateur championship, US Open. He's won a bunch of tour events. Like he's probably two thirds of the way to the Hall of Fame, and and yet he just can't get out of his own way. It's it is ridiculous. And I know he has the wrong people around him. He's not getting whatever. Like at the end of the day, he's responsible for everything that comes out of his own mouth, and it's it's embarrassing. And Oh, it's for really sure. Like if you saw on, you know, the third round um there in in Baltimore when he hit it in, in the water on that par 3 on the on I think the 13th hole, the crowd went it was a roar. Like it usually if a leader or someone who's playing great hits in the water, the, the reaction is like, "Oh." You know, there's a sense of like people are there's they have an emotional reaction. It's a big moment in the tournament, but this was different. This was like, ah! and um it just speaks to there's all this stuff that surrounds him at all times he's like you know pig pen with the stink cloud over him and, and peanuts and <laughs> um i'm sad in in that this is it's really gonna affect bryson's career and it already has you think about when he's been in contention this summer he has completely self-immolated i mean he has set himself on fire back nine at torrey pines shooting 44 i mean there's been a a series of disasters rocket mortgage rocket mortgage i mean that was just as bad like um and so i feel like he's brought this upon him him and upon himself and it's really having an effect i mean now the crowds are starting to come back and there's all this energy and all the brooksy and all that stuff like there's no doubt it's affecting Bryson It's probably costing him victories and it's not, it's not going to change because he's constantly stirring the pot again and antagonizing. It's not going like to change
0: and, because and doing he's dumb not things. changing.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, I talked to Ian Poulter about this a long time ago and it, it affected his career because, uh, you know, the negativity, no matter how mentally tough you are, you hear it, it surrounds you. And, you know sundays it's very intimate i mean the fans are right on top of you on the tee box on on the walk from green to tea there's nowhere to hide out there and um i think we're seeing that that, that bryson by virtue of all the dumb things he said and done it, it's having a serious effect on his career and you know yeah. this is a guy who's on a hall of fame trajectory i mean this this is this is a serious thing and you know what's going to happen in the ryder cup team room I mean there's a cascading, you know, cause and effect here and it's it's morbidly fascinating to watch but it's really unfortunate for him.
0: No doubt, and that's the thing, you know, as like for a guy that's like sort of you know, had this moniker of being the scientist and he is, you know, more than human in essence and everything. It's all of these like he is showing just how human he is and he's showing I would not I would not call it weakness I would call it his vulnerability and once he's able to recognize that he'll be able to take that and turn it into a strength it's just he's he's in essence living in denial right now because you know like the bullshit about the whole thing when he said about the vaccination of how you know he wants to wait until everyone that needs one gets one he's young and he's healthy and I'm just like Bruh, you're about six months away from making that a relevant quote. Like did, did Alexa tell you to say that? Cause Siri would have been like, bitch, no, please. Like you go, you gotta go get one right now. That's not relevant. So you take all of these things that he says where he tries to be scientific about it and you're just like, dude, you're a pseudoscientist in essence now. Like, come on, like, and you know what? That's okay. Like this could be part of your evolution. Like the, the, the things. The, the things that can break us can be the things that make us stronger so I think if you were to take some accountability if you were to be like dude okay you know what I was a dick I can't say that I will never again be a dick but I I, I I'd like to at least recognize where I had been and I'd like to try and do better and be better Like I would become a I would have so much more respect for him if he were to do that because no one's perfect. Like, you know, just admitting that it's like, okay, like, you know, that comment that I made the other week where I say that, you know, you guys the, the media are ruining my image, this, that, and it's like, well, you know what the, the, the reality is you guys were just reporting the words that came spewing out of my mouth. So if I sit there and actually recognize that, like, okay, I'm the one that's affecting my image. What do I do to try and rebuild it? Because, and the thing is, it's like, he's not, obviously, he's not yet at rock bottom, which is, um, you know, is at at the same time, it is a bit tragic because I would hate to think that he could get, you know, any lower. Um, And at the same time, it's something where it's like, well, maybe he doesn't have to hit rock bottom. he, He can turn this into his rock bottom and turn around and just be like, dude, okay, I get it. I'm going to work on myself and, and do better, be better. And I would love to champion that because that shows growth and evolution. And that shows yeah. true learning.
1: Well, sure. And I like when people take a, a, a strong stance and I don't have to agree with it. It's actually fun to disagree about things. That's what makes the world interesting. For sure. But don't piss you on You can't my deny leg. facts though.
0: So get vaccinated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Okay. So like if, if Bryson wants to say, listen, I'm sponsored by Trump golf. I don't believe in the vaccines. I'm not going to get it. And be like, well, I don't really agree with that stance, but he's being true to himself. And I respect him for just putting it out there in an honest way. But to come up with that malarkey, it was like, bruh, and it's the same thing. And it's thing four all months old. Well, and
0: but it's also, completely then, irrelevant.
1: You know for him to say oh god i love when the fans call me brooks i think it's funny and then the you know the hot mics catch him like bitching at, at fans and complaining to marshals and getting people ejected like he could just say it, it hurts my feelings and it's really obnoxious and i think it needs to stop and i'd like the tour to do something and like um you know that would be honest or
0: just say i think that you know this is so 2000 and late let's move on beyond this
1: yeah i know and it's really, it's it's wild that, um, and I get it. I've been around enough pro athletes and, and star golfers. They're surrounded by yes men, and they, no one ever speaks truth to power. And they're insulated from the repercussions of their actions. And you know we've seen it again and again with Tiger Woods, uh, and others. But like it's just astonishing that 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 Bryson and the people around him and those who potentially care for him or at least or have a vested interest in his success cannot talk to this guy and um it's really it's it's problematic i mean he's, he's one of the best players in golf he could be one of the biggest stars he certainly moves the needle um and the amount of negativity that that, that floats around and, and follows this guy it it's it's not great like you know I, that was that was kepka's stance well uh, uh, you know it gets people talking it and it's good for the game I don't really think the Bryson clown show is good for the game. I I think it's it's a distraction and it's, um, it's, it's unbecoming for him. And it's, it's adds a weird energy to the whole thing.
0: Well, it's not good for the game and it is definitely not good for the person, you know, it's not good for Bryson and, 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 you know, I mean, realistically, it's not like, you know, maybe Brooks, you know, he might get more enjoyment out of it, but you know, you talk, you talk about like, say, you know, John Rahm or, or, um, you know, Patrick Cantley or Sam Burns or any of those guys that are, I if know. they're paired there's, with there's him, better people to talk it affects, about, but it affects them as well. Like when you hear people talking shit, like it affects the entire group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, Harris English was very eloquent about that a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it, it, if you're at, if you're on the ground at these tournaments, it's really obnoxious. And, the people who think you know i saw like uh Brendan porath i think today you know he he covers golf closely but he hasn't been in a bunch of events and he was out there this week and he's like and he said something like on the ground this brooksy stuff is insufferable it's like yeah i mean if if tv filters out a good amount of it when you're there it's non-stop i mean i saw it at the us open i saw it at, you know pga championship like it's it there's it's it's bad and it's getting worse right and um so anyway but look we're we're falling into this trap we should be talking about other players I and mean, we just we just burned 15 minutes on on bryson but it, it's like it's the proverbial like car accident you have to slow down and you know kind of peek yeah, out but the side of the we're move. also
0: using this time to to talk about you know potential lessons that can be learned from this as well so it does okay. have to be addressed and okay, this good, is thank you. my redemption. Arc. Yeah. Yes, of course. This is this is exactly this is character development, you know, because he's going to live a long life. And you know, I I think that this is and this is a very poignant point in his career and in his life. So I really, really hope. Like I was saying, I, I, I don't I mean this hopefully this is his rock bottom. Hopefully he makes this his rock bottom. Because from it'll be so much easier from here than if he were to truly have his game be affected every single week and have to clamber back through there. Cause I, I, I've fucking been there. I don't want that for anybody, you know? Yeah, so, no so hopefully this is where it all starts. And this is my little version of, you know, to an extent, try and meet them where they are, as opposed to anything else. Like I'm not going to be at any PJ tour events in the, in the near future. Um, you know, so this is as close as I can get to, you know, putting my piece out there of just being like, dude, just take some accountability and it's okay to be wrong is the biggest thing. That's where you learn. Because if you're always right, you don't learn anything, you know? So, so, um, you know, it's not a matter of learning humility. It's just show some, show a little grace and, you know, change, making changes shows such strength, so much more strength than, you know, butting your head into something until they change. You know, so hopefully this is as bad as it gets, and hopefully his the next time he has a chance to shoot fifty nine, you'll you know maybe put a better stroke on it or something, and and also you know give it a chance to. You know, it was it, you you're not gonna you 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 have a chance at a fifty nine. Why are you gonna have it sort of just curl slowly around the hole like a pubic hair down the drain kind of a thing? Like it is just it was not a pretty sight. Like you hit that right on that right, that the, that left edge or just inside left and you 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 thrust it in the hole you know what i mean like you Damn, you girl. put your stamp on that 59 like none of that none of that none of that semi chub bullshit come on i'm so sorry because i wanted him to shoot 59 well, I wanted would have been, that.
1: I wanted him to shoot 59 and still not talk to reporters. That would have been one, one of the all time most hilarious things ever. That would um, have,
0: honestly, that would have been a pretty big mic drop in my opinion. It would opinion. have been so but on brand. Did, it would have been so good for this discussion about the equipment. And then, did you see what Phil. T- Fucking said oh, the yeah. other day about the driver yeah. length and it's just i just
1: His i do like that it is a running. lot more
0: divided though than he yeah. would have ever thought
1: yeah i mean it's the average golfer 45 and a half inches is probably too long anyway like i'm i'm not looking for a longer drive i don't think i think the fans out there are content it, it's a very small number of you know maybe if you're six five or taller it, it's an issue and there's certainly some of those guys out there but jigger I, thompson yeah i think with i think phil you know he's just he's been a jihad with the usga for so long and any chance he gets to tweak them he's he's not gonna he's not gonna pass that up and
0: no. um oh you know. come on don't say he's got that level of pity or petty
1: oh he does oh, trust me he God. does but um but you know some of his points are valid and it does seem like um again it's like it's like the usga they're always nibbling around the edges of the equipment but they they take on as as every golf course on the on the planet that exists today is being rendered obsolete by the top male golfers they've they've outlawed you know the long putter and certain style of grooves, and now maybe a certain length driver, but they won't take on the fundamental issues, right? I mean, which is the trampoline effect of the face and the and the, the size the of the head, of the ball, and the size of the head. Like it's like, okay, guys, way to go! You are really taking a strong stance here on something that no one's talking about, um, and uh, it's like they feel like. They, I think of like Gordon Gecko. You know, he's talking about all the all the vice presidents in this company he's going to take apart, you know, shuffling papers from desk to desk. It's like, okay, well, we've lost control of the distance issue. we got to do something. What can we do? I don't know. 46-inch uh, drivers. Yeah, great. It's like, well, okay. I mean, there are definitely a few guys on the tour who are using something longer than, than 46, including Mickelson, but um, I don't think that's the fundamental issue facing the game right now. So it kind of makes me laugh. And um, But you're, you're right. I mean, I think... There was some blowback to Phil's comment, where uh, a lot of fans, observers, writers, whatever, and even some players were like, "The game has gotten." And again, we're not talking about amateurs. We're not we're, the LPGA to some degree has become more of a power game, but obviously, it's clearly this is an issue on the PGA Tour and maybe high level amateur golf only, where these guys are swinging 125 plus miles an hour and um, and. Uh, there was a definite sentiment in comment in response to Phil, like you know what, there's more to the game than just bombs, and you guys are just hitting wedges into every green, and yeah, drive boring. chip and
0: putt tour, DCP. yeah, it's
1: getting it's it's getting boring, and and so I don't, I think you're right. Phil didn't quite anticipate some of the smoke that would come his way, where it's like you know what, we got to do something because um, you look at how these these, it's just. It's the only sport where the playing fields, you know, date to the 19th century, right, or older. And so, if if you care about an old course, you care about a Pebble Beach or any of these any of these great championship venues that have these rich histories, you know, Marion. You go on down the list. It's like we we're way past the tipping point, and something something's going to have to happen. And um, I think Phil's going to have to buckle up because I I think this is just the first salvo. You know, I did this sit down interview with Mike Wan. Who's now running the usga and his his attitude is like bifurcation is not a big deal these guys got to get over it like we're gonna have to do something for for the male pros and so I, I think this is just the first shot across the bow and other other stuff is coming and it is going to be it's an interesting debate there's going to be a lot of a lot of bitching and moaning there's, there's going to be some thoughtfulness uh, but it, it's going to be there's going to be a low roar here for a few years i think as the usga tries to regain control of the sport that they are charged with overseeing and that they've, there's been a dereliction of duty now for decades. And so I'm afraid that Phil's going to find himself on the wrong, the wrong end of this debate. I mean, the USJs, I I think there's a new sheriff in town and things are going to start to change. And if they do, in fact, put put cab drivers at 46 inches, then um, I think that's just the beginning.
0: Yeah. And, and I can promise you, Mike has done, he, he has been, preparing for this role his whole life because he was the commissioner of the LPGA for a long time and you know I really don't have a whole lot that he's ever done that I like contested and didn't agree with but that's not to say that he hasn't dealt with a lot of shit from other players and you know other other people in the golf world over the years anyway so he's just going to be like you're going to have to come at me with something more than like, well, I don't like it, you know, and and, and going back to the changes a couple of years ago. And, you know, all the boys were bitching about the change in the drop and the, you know, the the penalty area now and this and that. I'm just like, bro, you had a whole year to look at what the changes were were, were proposed to be and give them your two cents and you
1: didn't. Yeah, no, so, they, they opt out yeah, of the comment period for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely. And you know, Juan worked in the equipment industry. I mean, he was like a you know executive mm-hmm. tailor made so at he knows, Yeah, he knows. And Wilson Sporting is he knows the issue from both sides. And I think he's somewhat uniquely positioned in that regard, where um, he is a consensus builder. I'm sure he's talking uh, the Chip Brewers of the world, these other other powerful figures in the equipment industry, and um, it's, it's not going to be this uh you know the usga's way of doing things the past was just this edict that came out of nowhere and and a lot of stakeholders felt like they didn't have a voice i'm sure that juan has solicited a lot of input and he's got this whole kitchen cabinet that includes a lot of top guys in the equipment industry but ultimately i think he realizes coming in from the outside and i love mike davis great human being but he's been a he's a lifer and so it's hard Mm. to Make a radical change when you've been part of the organization that screwed it all the whole thing up. You know, it's hard to see it clearly when, when you've been part of the problem. And um, I think Juan coming in fresh from the outside can look at it and say, This, this has just gotten out of control. Like, uh, so yeah, I, it, I think Phil, you know, Phil's a paid spokesperson for Callaway. He has a lifetime contract, he has a very specific point of view. But I, I think it's becoming a little more clear that he's not speaking for the majority. And so, um you know i'm talking about everyone in the golf world and i think that's going to be a a wake up call for him when he realizes that a lot of folks have, have kind of seen enough and they, and they want some change and for uh, sure so, yeah anyway real well, quick
0: if we want yeah. to try and help the 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 stakeholders as well go back to that you know the go back to the cover that gets ripped after like two or three wedge shots because Then you don't have to spend as much on technology, but people are still, it's not like someone's going to be like, oh, well, I've got, you know, four years worth of tideless golf balls or I've got, you know, the BB330XC something, something golf ball. So, you know, it's like, no, just make the, make make the ball deteriorate quicker. People are going to have to buy the ball. Then you don't have to spend as much on development and research and then you'll (laughs) still be able to rake it in. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's a fix for everything.
1: That was that was so bad. But when you would thin or skull and iron, first of all, you've messed up the hole and you're probably going to make a double bogey. And then the dreaded, you know, your golf ball was literally mocking you for that little smiley face. It was like, that was oh, the Oh, see, worst I always looked at golf.
0: it as a pair of butt cheeks. I always thought that I was getting mooned <laughs> by my ball.
1: <laughs> yeah. Same principle applies. You're still being mocked. And yeah. was such, that added so much, you know, insult to injury. But
0: Well, there you yeah. go. They'll work on your contact. Shit. <laughs>
1: well yeah i mean it starts with a user error i accept that uh but um anyway all right what was the
0: running theme of this episode get over it get past it girl Mm. all
1: right well i'm glad you're 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 rested i that's aspirational the 48-hour hibernation might come back from a trip it's like next morning i'm up making pancakes and just like right into it so the the idea of having a couple days to transition sounds fabulous i'm I'm gonna try and make that part of my life at some point but i don't know not having
0: kids helps i know and not having a dog helps i know i'm
1: just so virile it's a problem um gross but anyway (laughs) there's definitely time to end the podcast we've reached that moment
0: we are at that moment so I just want to say uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to tell all your friends. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and rate this episode if you want. Um, give us five stars. Apparently it helps with the metrics. And uh, until next week, thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim.
1: And Alan Shipnuck. That's a wrap.
0: Bye.